Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. In this new year, a lot of people want to change their mindset. I know we just did an episode on a couple days ago, and uh, and I'm looking forward to changing a lot of mindsets after this episode. Uh, people look inside themselves and see what they want to become. Sometimes it's more productive to be kinder, or as I like to say, become more of a winner. I know Carson does too. It's kind of our thing. We always want to be better than we were the day before. But as pilots, it's a great time to be introspective and look at the hazardous attitudes that you have making from time to time and change them. It's important to be aware of our own thought processes and be conscious of any attitudes that can potentially jeopardize safety. There are five hazardous attitudes that are particularly important and to be aware of. One is anti-authority, there's impulsivity, invulnerability, macho, and resignation. This is at least what the FAA identifies as the five hazardous attitudes. It's even in some of our books that we read. But each one of these uh, hazardous attitudes can be corrected and can be self-corrected, and that's the way that it should be, should be self-corrected. Now, if somebody has to tell you you're having one, please listen to them. Hopefully, you can identify it and, and really take that constructive criticism. But each one does have an anecdote or a thought process that corrects it. And part of being a pilot is really just opening up yourself to people's corrective you know, criticism. And it's never meant in a bad way. It's never meant to hurt your feelings, but you need to be open to it because that's the way we keep each other safe and keep ourselves safe. Yeah, 100%. You want to make sure that you're listening to others around you because they're not just telling it to you for, for no reason. They're telling it to you literally for your health and safety. They want you to be a safe pilot and they want you to be a safe pilot around other pilots. Uh, they're not going to just going to tell you something just to be a jerk at least not usually. Most people in this industry are generally nice and kind. Uh, They're telling you just to keep you in a better, safe environment and also keep their friends and family safe as well on the ground. Yeah. What's that thing we always say? Everyone has something to teach you. Comes just back to that. And there's that saying, no one likes to know it all. And it certainly applies to the first hazardous attitude, anti-authority. Anti-authority presents itself as kind of a don't tell me what to do. And it can look Something like a pilot not taking advice from ATC or their instructor, or even a pilot that they just met that's giving them that constructive criticism like we talked about. Uh, It could also be justifying doing something wrong by saying, I've done this a million times, I'm fine. And I think the most common popular example of this is that live ATC recording went viral, I think last year or two years ago, when an airplane refused to exit the Bravo in Las Vegas, and then he refused to copy down the phone number that was given to him by ATC. Uh, Brian, do you remember that one? Did you hear about that? I did hear about that, and I haven't listened to it or watched it for a while, but I think they have the recording on YouTube, and uh, I don't know what happened to that guy. I can't remember. I I know that something happened to him, but he should have got his certificate revoked, Uh, and I don't say that very often or lightly. Yeah, I mean, I want all pilots to keep their pilot certificates and be able to fly forever if they can, but when you're like blatantly not even accepting that you just screwed up when you have people telling you that you just screwed up. And, uh, and then you're just staying in their airspace and causing harm or potential harm to like jetliners. Um, I think that's probably a pretty bad hazardous attitude. So the antidote for, for anti-authority, which that guy definitely was, is just follow the rules. They're usually right and they're there for a reason. In aviation, a lot of r- rules come from accidents are in place, and they're also in place so an accident doesn't happen again. Often enough, like we did, we talked about NASA reports before. When we report these things on NASA reports, on our mistakes or, or things that we just screwed up on in general, they're there so we can create new regulations and create a better, safer, harmonious environment. So make sure that you're not 
having any anti-authority. If if the FAA or your flight instructor is saying, hey, don't do that again, and they say it with a stern voice, make sure that you, you follow the rules, right? And a pretty common one that I think of is, you know, against following the rules is that 500 feet above AGL that you can't fly below that when it's, you know, especially crowded or there's people around. Pretty, you know, common sense, but as much fun as you know, we all think it would be to just kind of do a low pass over the ground, it's not safe. It's there for a reason. And it's just little things like that. These rules are in place for a reason. Yeah. And on that particular example, you have people that complain on the ground and that hurts all pilots because as soon as they start complaining to the FAA, FAA wants to do something about it. At least in general, they do. And they'll start sending letters and telling us to be kind to our neighbors, stuff like that in the beginning. And then it'll turn into noise regulations in the area and make it harder for all pilots to fly. And those are the things that start to get airports closed down. That's the reason why a local airport around here, Santa Monica, is actually getting closed down. And uh, that was one of the biggest hubs in uh, Southern California for years and years and years in the kind of the heyday of aviation uh, in the mid-1900s. Yeah, and it sucks when we lose an airport like that. And there's plenty of times that we need to think quickly and make decisions quickly as pilots. But impulsivity is a very dangerous characteristic in pilots. And in pilots, that impulsivity is typically seen when you're in a rush. Uh, for example, going from Riverside to Catalina, like for the Catalina wine mixer, uh, not flying back for it, just to be clear. <laughs> uh, the airport closes at four and it's 45 minutes away and it's 2.30. So an impulsive pilot thinks, I just flew my airplane yesterday or someone flew my airplane or you know, the airplane I'm flying just flew. It's probably fine and skips their pre-flight and doesn't check the weather. And they don't see that marine layer covered up the island. And it's just a whole mess. And it can lead to really dangerous situations that you don't want to be in as a pilot. Sounds like you're talking about the flight that I tried to do last year to the Catalina Wine Mixer, Carson. You thought of every solution. You tried to fly. It didn't work out. You thought about everything. Even taking a jet ski from Long Beach to Catalina just to get to that Catalina Wine Mixer. Yeah, I was uh, just a quick side note on that. Uh, last year, my son came down with COVID uh, after I'd had it like three or four weeks before he did. And this was the weekend me and and five other friends, including Damaris, we're all trying to go out to the Catalina Wine Mixer because we go every year. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great event and get to meet lots of cool people. And uh, And normally we go fly there. But literally, I was willing to fly IFR, and I just wanted to go meet up with everybody who was already there because I was running late because I had Austin. Finally, he tested negative and was able to hang out with my dad. But I took off. I even circled, uh, tried to try to land, and no, it just wouldn't happen. The minimums were like right at the base of the airport or right at the, the runway, essentially. And I figured, oh, it'll burn off. It'll burn off. No, every time I got to the island, it did not burn off. So uh, that was kind of a go, no go decision for me, just like our last episode. Uh, I tried, though. I tried really hard and just never worked out for me that day. So in the afternoon, I ended up getting on the Catalina Express, which is a boat or a ferry boat. And they got me there in just about an hour. So, uh, but it was a fun flight or a, or a fun boat ride, I guess. And I got over to that uh, wine mixer, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I actually sent a screenshot of that flight path that you took, just you circling the island a couple times to Maddie. And she said, you know, God just does not want him to go to Catalina line, uh, Wine Mixer this year. She wasn't feeling it. Yeah, very true. Very true. The antidote for impulsivity is think first and slow down. So that's what I was doing that day, by the way. I was thinking about all the solutions and I was slowing down my thought processes. I didn't do anything that was unsafe. I didn't do anything that broke any regulations. I just wanted to see if I could get there. So I had to think first. I had to slow down. I had to really figure out, hey, how badly do I want to make it to this uh, place? And what can I do to get there in a safe 
and methodical way. And that safe and methodical way was to have a backup plan and to relieve myself of that pressure because I didn't have to get there, by the way. I mean, it was just a fun event to go to. I mean, who cares? You miss out on a weekend. It's not the end of the world. There's another one next year that'll be. It's the first weekend of uh, of June, if anybody's curious. They just came out with tickets. I already got mine. That's uh, the antidote for impulsivity. So just think first, slow down. If I had to say one hazardous attitude that every once in a while pops up in my life, I would say it's this one. I'm trained and I train myself to slow down and think about it rather than just go, 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 go. And one of the best parts about having Brandon as a CFI is that you pick up on these hazardous attitudes from your CFI. (laughs) Not funny, Carson. (laughs) But uh, going and doing a a quicker pre-flight and something less thorough is something that I want to, you know, start avoiding really in 2023 and one of something that's on my you know list of things I want to change about myself. And that's one of them, just doing a really thorough pre-flight and making sure I'm safe. Uh, I took Maddie up for a flight and I did a super thorough pre-flight. I think I walked around the plane four times and something like that is just what you should be doing. You should be really thorough. Uh, like we talked about in the last episode, just being thorough in those pre-flights. And another hazardous attitude is invulnerability. And it can be a very hazardous attitude to have. It's something like believing it can't happen to me. And while confidence in the cockpit is super key, uh, it can get nerve wracking to be in the heavy turbulence alone or even with a passenger. But having that invulnerability and believing that nothing bad could happen to you, you're fine, you've done it before, and you've made it just fine. So obviously nothing bad is going to happen. It's something that you can't have in the cockpit. You need to be safe and you need to put yourself in situations that are safe and avoiding the can't happen to me attitude. That's correct. Because uh, if it can happen, it will happen. I never thought I would have an engine failure. It can happen. It will happen. I never thought that I would have an engine failure taking off. Can happen. Will happen. Carson's looking at me like, what are you talking about? When did you have an engine failure while taking off? Well, one time I was flying a Duchess and uh, you know how the the checklist says uh, lean mixtures for taxi, which you should do so you don't foul spark plugs. Well, guess what? Uh, I started taking off and it's felt like I had one engine failing. It's because I didn't, or I skipped the line item that said mixtures full forward. So I actually made myself a new mental checklist. Every time I ever fly another airplane, I don't care if it's a single or if it's a, um, or a twin. Um, I put my hand and I say everything full forward because not just, I used to say throttle full forward or, or throttle in. Um, but now I put, I say everything full forward because that just means everything goes in at the same time. Now there's some changes for density altitude and stuff. You might have taken effect, but, but generally it makes you think about it. It can happen to you. You're not invincible. Um, don't think that you're not vulnerable to anything that can happen in, in life. And that's not just, I mean, in, in flying, that's everything in life. I mean, if it can happen, it will happen. The antidote for that is just understand that it could happen to you. And if it does be trained, understand what you need to, to be able to do, uh, in that situation. So that's the reason why we do recurrent training. That's the reason why we have biannual flight reviews. You need to make sure that you you stay trained. Uh, I wouldn't wait two years to go fly with a CFI, even if you fly often. I, especially if you fly a multi-engine, I would say go fly with an instructor every three to six months. Um, and that's just if you're doing normal flying, just to brush yourself up on those safety issues. I remember uh, one time at John Wayne Airport, uh, Santa and SNA, there was a guy, he had a engine failure on a Cessna 310 and him and his wife just took off and he was actually departing on a downwind departure and he had an engine failure on one of his engines. 
there should have been no reason why he did not make it back to the airport. But instead, he crashed. He both he and his wife both lived. He crashed like 500 feet before the runway and happens to be on the, I don't know, the 405 or 22 freeway. He actually hit the center divider. Um, and Rich's uh, father-in-law, actually, Rich from Kavu, father-in-law was actually one of the firefighters on site, not because he was working that day, but just because he was in the area and he was driving on that freeway and was one of the first responders there. I mean, anything, anything could happen. It's uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty crazy world we live in, but the guy should have made it to that runway. There should have been zero reason. He didn't have a dual engine failure. He didn't have one engine producing less power than the other uh, or less power than the inoperative one. Everything should have been fine. He should have made it to that airport. But I doubt he had recurrent training as often as he should have. Otherwise, he would have handled that emergency better. And I think my personal rule of thumb is anytime that I haven't flown and it's been about three months or I'm lacking the currency, whether it's day or night currency, um, I'm going to go fly with the CFI first. Just put some, there's too much distance in my logbook between flights. I'm going to go fly with the CFI just to make myself feel comfortable and make myself feel comfortable, especially taking up another passenger. And another hazardous attitude is called macho. And it's the I can do it attitude. And pilots with this attitude will take risks that are completely unnecessary, usually to impress people. And I've heard this presenting in pilots who take a normal category aircraft, like a Cessna 172, end up doing aerobatic maneuvers in it just to show off. It's extremely dangerous. This type of attitude leads to accidents. So just don't do something dumb to show off. And yeah, if you want to do something cool like aerobatics, go and do it in a plane that's meant for it, like a Satabria. Don't do it in a 172. Yeah, it's funny. I watched a, a video of a Cirrus doing a roll uh, like three weeks ago. And although the video is really cool, I mean, I've never seen a Cirrus do a roll before. It wasn't what that plane is certified for or meant to do. And they had a bunch of passengers in there. And like, I think there was even a kid in the backseat. Don't quote me on that part. But I don't remember where I saw it, but I'm sure it could be found on YouTube if you want to see it. But yeah, it's a Cirrus doing a roll. And uh, that was definitely a, a macho attitude. And the antidote for taking a macho or having a macho attitude is taking chances and foolish. I think that the people who have hazardous attitudes, this one's probably the one that's hardest to get through to people because typically people with a macho attitude, uh, they don't, I don't know, they don't care. They could care less about what a, a rule is. They could care less about taking that taking chances is foolish. So really you have to have a really open mind. And I think that most pilots do, otherwise we wouldn't have gotten to the point we get to taking chances is foolish. I mean, don't risk your own life over something stupid like rolling a Cirrus. Um, go go do it with an instructor and go do it in a in a really cool extra or the plane that I really want one day. And I, I've had it on my goal list for a couple of years. I want a game bird so bad. And if you don't know what a game bird is, just just go on Google and go type in game bird airplane and uh, and go check it out. It's, it was made by somebody in the, the Walmart or Walton family. And it is one of the most beautiful aerobatic airplanes I've ever seen. I'm going to buy one one day. Uh, I just don't know when that day is. Last year, I got my Icon. So maybe I'll get rid of the Icon someday and I'll, I'll trade it in for a game bird. I think that'd be a lot of fun. They're only three three or four times the price, though. That might be the problem. Yeah, if you, if you ever feel yourself feeling that macho attitude, just remember, hey, I don't need to impress this person that's sitting next to me. They're already impressed by me. I'm already a pilot. You're probably already a, an excellent individual if you did become a pilot. So keep that in mind. Just you're already awesome. Don't push it too far. You don't have to take chances. You don't have to be foolish or act all macho. You know, I think since the first time a couple of years ago, you mentioned you wanted a game bird, the price has only gone up two or $300,000. So it's not too bad, right? 
I think it's gone up at least that. I think when I first looked at it, it was less than half a million and now it's it's over a million. So I wish inflation would have happened and I would have had enough money to buy one before. Yeah. And the other thing I want to mention uh, about having that macho attitude is the FA will, will go after it. I've seen videos of people on TikTok and on YouTube. Uh, there was that one guy that jumped out of his airplane. Remember that one? Yeah. This guy jumped out of his airplane and he videotaped the whole thing, let it crash in the mountains and then cleaned up the wreckage before NTSB or anybody could ever go see it. And then when you review the video footage that he posted of himself online doing this like an idiot, he, you can see that he had uh, strapped to his legs. He had fire extinguishers. Why would you have fire extinguishers strapped to your legs before an on airplane crashed? What, just in case the airplane's engine quits in the air and, and you get to jump out of it? No, this guy did this on purpose to, to do a video. And I think he got in trouble if he didn't lose his pilot certificate. I think, Carson, you know what happened to him, right? Yeah, I'm 99% sure uh, after the investigation he lost his license. It was it was pretty viral. Um, that's such a dumb thing to do for a macho attitude. Or for you know, Worst case scenario, you, you crash with a plane or your parachute doesn't come open. Best case scenario, the FAA takes away your license. Terrible. Yeah, so just don't have it. The FAA will, will come after you for it, especially if they see a video. And that last hazardous attitude is resignation. It's just saying, what's the use? So pretty extreme example is just giving up an emergency. And more commonly, though, it's seen in flight training. Many students give up just because they hit a block in their training, and they can't seem to get past it. And this attitude, it, it's kind of a sad one to see happen to students, um, or even, just, you know, like I said, people in emergency, because you've had so much training. You're in this scenario, and you've trained for it. As a student pilot, you have heard your CFI say the things that you need to hear, and it's just on you to keep pushing through. But Brandon, what do we always say about people that can't seem to get past a, a roadblock in their training? You're only two or three lessons away from a total breakthrough. Or as I like to say, you're only three feet from gold. So look up the story about being three feet from gold. I might have already talked about it on a previous episode. But you're really, really close to a total breakthrough. So uh, the antidote for resignation is I can make a difference. I've gone through this in my training. I've learned this. I know exactly what to do. And I just need to, to follow through with it. I'll tell you this. I think this is a really common thing when, when students panic. So if you ever hear about a student pilot not making it after they have an incident in an airplane um, or crashing an airplane, it's because they freaked out. That's what resignation is. You're freaking out about what's, whatever's happening, whatever bad situation was in. But all you have to do is think through your training. Honestly, the worst thing that could happen, you could still fix it. Um, usually. I mean, 99% of the time, the worst thing that can happen is your engine quits, right? Well, most of the time you can probably restart it. Uh, and if you can't restart it, then you just need to go land on a road or land land in a, in a field or somewhere that's safe. And you could watch countless videos uh, on YouTube uh, about pilots landing in fields, roads, freeways, you name it, and they all live. Most of them don't even hurt the airplane. They just land in the field. And then an AMP comes over, they take off the wings, they transport it back, they replace the engine, and boom, it starts flying again. Just know that that don't resign. I mean, if you hit bad turbulence, what can you do about the turbulence? Nothing. Ride it out. It's like a wave. Go along with it until it's over or turn back around where you just came from where there was no turbulence. That sounds like a pretty good idea to me. Just go to where it wasn't like this situation, right? Um, one time I had a, an icing situation. Um, I was flying IFR to Vegas in an Aero, uh, and I came out of this nice white puffy cloud that had no ice. And then all of a sudden, within the next like, eight seconds, 
I looked in front of me and I've got this giant ominous cumulonimbus black cloud in front of me. And I turn to uh, DeMars to my right and I say, hey, uh, if, uh, if I want you to stare at that and look at that wing, if we get any ice on that wing, I want you to let me know um, because this cloud doesn't look very good and I can't really do anything right now because I'm flying IFR. I'm just going to see what happens. And if it doesn't turn out the right way, I'm going to make a U-turn really quick. I'm not going to give up on myself. I'm not going to resign the situation. I'm going to have a backup plan. I'm going to know what to do. So the moment we hit that, DeMars didn't have to tell me there was ice on the wing. The entire windshield uh, was covered in ice almost instantaneously. It was uh, scary to say the least. So what did I do? I turned around. I knew there was no ice behind me. And I also knew that there was, it was uh, below me, there was no terrain, and I knew that I could get into a VFR condition uh, right behind me. So I made a U-turn. It took me about a minute to get out of that cloud. And as soon as I came out, I started descending because I could see a VFR hole. And I called up ATC while all this was going on, and I, and I basically said I was declaring an emergency. Um, I don't know if I used the words declaring an emergency, but I said, I have VFR in sight now. I'm making a U-turn. Um, I'm in extreme icing conditions. And they made a PIREP. And uh, hopefully my, my PIREP in that area helps some other pilot. That's, that's the point of all of that. I mean, don't resign your situation to, hey, I just got into an ice cloud. There's nothing for me to do except for continue. And then I'm going to turn into an icicle and fall out of the sky. That's not going to happen to me. I wasn't going to resign. I wasn't going to let anything happen to me or my passengers that day. Um, so you just have to know. Same thing with, with um, uh, when it comes to, to turbulence. And I think that's the thing that most students freak out about is turbulence. Um, or a stu- or somebody throwing up in their airplane um, while they're flying with them because that'll happen, uh, and they freak out and they can't smell and they and they're just they're overwhelmed by things and all you have to do is just relax, keep yourself calm, just know, hey, I'm going to get through this, and uh, and you will make a difference. You will get through this. You've already trained for this. You know all these things. Also, another thing that people do is people are talking too much on the radios. Kind of a side topic, but. If your friends and passengers are talking too much and they will not listen to you to shut up, unplug them. (laughs) And in some radios, they have an isolate button, which is my absolute favorite. You just click isolate and it's either just you or you and your, the person in the front seat can talk. You can get rid of everybody. And, uh, and, and that will stop you from resigning the situation. You just be like, oh, I can't hear anything. I heard about someone that actually, uh, isolated their DPE on a check ride (laughs) because he wouldn't stop asking questions when he was taking off. That's smart. That's a critical phase of flight. I would have done the same thing. Isolate the DPE. Um, I hope you guys learned something from uh, from what we talked about today. Uh, just remember that you don't have to go through any of these hazardous attitudes. There's always an antidote for them. And I'm, I really hope that uh, you enjoyed today's episode. You got a little bit out of it, especially from the stories that I have. And, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be more stories over time. It just happens uh, while you're flying. More and more of them. Yeah, I already have plenty of my own. And I only have, what, 200 hours? So it's pretty cool. And almost everyone develops one of these hazardous attitudes at some point in their aviation career, just through complacency or by doing something dumb and getting away with it after everything goes okay. Uh, But being aware and avoiding hazardous attitudes, it's crucial for ensuring the safety of ourselves and those among us in the aviation industry, especially if you have passengers that don't know how to fly an airplane, they're relying on you for the safety. And after doing some introspection and realizing that you have one of these attitudes, for the sake of your safety and those who fly with you, Make this year the year to put the work in to change that attitude. Absolutely. I know this was a really good episode for us to all to, to look back and say, hey, did I, did I do this? And the answer should be no, I don't do some of these things. But if you do, just kind of look inside, just like Carson just said, and, and uh, tell yourself, hey, I can be better. So 2023 is the year of winning and the year to be better. 
As always, if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us at Twitter or Instagram at Mr. Martini Guy or at Carson underscore AV17 for Carson. And as we're kicking off this year, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride.